and, you know, put them in a hole in the ground because I was saving up food for the winter. You know, that was that was what I was obsessed with. But I didn't think that those things were, you know, I thought that that was from the past and not something that was available to me. So, um, so I, you know, I always did a lot of things with my hands. I was into sewing and knitting and crocheting and that kind of thing. And like the handcrafts that were available to me, but I didn't really have other avenues. Um, you know, like I grew up in a rural place, but you know, we weren't, we weren't, we grew strawberries and we grew a small garden, but you know, we weren't like harvesting wild food or anything. This wasn't in my, this wasn't in my background and how I was raised up. Um, but I was always looking for that stuff. And when I was, um, I think a freshman or a sophomore, I think a sophomore in college, and I went to school for biology and environmental studies. So like a deep connection to the natural world was always a part of me. And my parents were both outdoor people. My dad was a, an endurance runner doing 100-mile trail runs, and cool. my mom was a backpacker and in the Sierra Club. So I spent a lot of time hiking and, you know, out in wild places as a kid. Um, but it was when I was a sophomore in college that a friend of mine gave me a book, um, The Tracker by Tom Brown Jr., um, where he kind of talks about using these skills in his childhood um, coming into relationship with the land. And that was really inspiring to me. And so when I wanted to do a field course one summer, I specifically looked for one um, that might have some, some of those skills and found, um, found one that had instructors who had taught some ancestral skills. And so I chose the course based on that. And that's not what the focus of the course was, but it was a big focus for me because that was where my interest laid. Um, and then they told me about a skills gathering that they had been to that was all focused on ancestral skills. And so I went to that, and that was um, when I was 19. And so that was what really showed me that, in fact, this was something that was still available, that people were still doing. And then from that point on, I just threw myself into it wholeheartedly and definitely kind of had like fantasies about running off naked into the wilderness you know with just my knife and living there forevermore and um my first gathering was when I was introduced to buckskin clothing and that completely changed my life and became my biggest goal was to you know learn to tan hides and make clothing for myself and um so yeah from that point on anytime I wasn't in school I was I was out in the woods by myself doing skill stuff um, or going to gatherings whenever I could and spending summers on some land in Idaho with a bunch of folks who were teaching and practicing skills and, you know, organizing Stone Age trips and harvesting wild food and just, you know, learning as much as I could in every possible way. Um, and, you know, then I had then I had a period in my early 20s where I kind of where I was in, involved in a relationship and with my first husband, and um, that wasn't really the life that he wanted to live. And I felt like I ended up compromising a lot on how how I was living for for love, you know, for that relationship. And um, that was how I ended up in grad school. Actually, was kind of trying like not not being happy in the normal working world. And I was working, you know, interesting jobs. I was doing environmental ed and working as a naturalist in a state park and doing cool stuff. But it just wasn't me it wasn't the life that I wanted I wanted something so much more wild and rugged and um really had this period of feeling like I compromised so much of myself and lost myself and became really deeply depressed and um even suicidal we have and, like the um, same story it's tripping and... me out but keep going <laughs> wow yeah yeah it's a I think it's a common one um so yeah so I spent a lot of my 20s compromising on what I wanted to do. And then eventually um, I was in grad school when I kind of 
I don't know, like came to a place where I realized that like my soul was dying and I couldn't, I couldn't do what I was doing anymore and ended up, you know, leaving my husband, quitting grad school. I, I had enough credits to get my degree, but I quit my thesis. So I ended up graduating with a non-thesis science degree, which means you can't really work in academia. You can do a lot of other things, but you're not going to ever go on to be a professor or anything um, or a researcher. But um, but I it was pretty clear that I didn't want to anyway at that point. So yeah, so I ended up, you know, quitting grad school, leaving my husband and moving away from my like, you know, easy house outside of town and running off to Northern Ontario um, with someone that I met at a friend's wedding who was about to go out on this crazy journey and um, living up there for a while until the Canadian government kicked us out. <laughs> and from that moment on, just really absolutely devoted to living my life and not compromising on that again and living a much wilder, less conventional life. Um, but yeah, I've, I came to that through compromising and trying to, you know, quote, be normal and live a normal life for a while and just being absolutely miserable and feeling trapped and, um, yeah. And you, you gave know, up learned, the safety. Learned the hard way. You gave up the safety for your gave truth. Up the safety for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, I did yeah. the same thing. I was married for a long time and, and I left him and all, it's very, very similar story, very depressed, trying to, blah, blah, and now I do what I want. Yay! So I'm glad that you, yeah, I have and like, I think it's, it's been gratifying because, yeah. I just have a, I have a couple more questions for you because we've been going for an hour and I don't want to take up too much of your time because you're so awesome. But I mean, I, I want to take up all of your time, but I don't, I also don't want to, you know, so finish your thing. And then I have like two more questions. Oh, I was just going to say that at the time, I think it was hard, you know, it was like quite devastating for my husband. We're still very good friends. He's a wonderful man. But, you know, I think at the time he never really believed me about why I was dissatisfied and how I said I wanted to live. Um, and you know, because I was not doing those things. I had been compromising. So it's like, yeah, you say that. But but I think now, and especially after alone, now he's like, okay, yeah, I, I get it now. I get that what you were saying all along of what you actually needed and wanted. Yeah, it makes more sense now. <laughs> 73 so gratifying days. in that way. But like, yeah. Uh, so have you ever thought of going back to your Arctic Peninsula? Like during the summer? I would love to. Yeah, yeah, no, I love to. I mean, once once I have a little bit more space in my life, that is definitely um, a very much a goal. I intend I intend to do so. I also intend to spend some time on that lake, places where one can actually catch fish and just gorge on trout. <laughs> yeah, I saw those beautiful fish. Um, okay, so yeah. my last question, it might be totally inappropriate, but, and I can cut it out of the interview <laughs> if you want. Okay, the way I came to the show, because I, I'm a stand-up comedian, I watched the show <laughs> and I was like, I don't, I don't watch porn. It's not my thing. Not, I'm not into it. But <laughs> I was watching alone because it hits all of my triggers. Like, it's like emotional lumberjacks crying. It's like survival <laughs> starving. It's like all the Laura Ingalls Wilder stuff I love. So I made this like big long joke that I've done on stage about how it's my porn and I, I masturbate to it when I'm alone, <laughs> quote unquote, right? So my question is, That's great. when you're out there and we're at the base of humanity, was there any like sexy time, feel did it not even enter your head at all? Or was there any like, I mean, were you so, I'm just, I'm, cause I'm thinking about ancestral skills and I'm thinking about 
people used to live out there and babies were made yeah and this is a part of being human <laughs> right i mean i was isolated the whole time um but yeah yeah no for sure i mean i don't i i think probably differently than you experience it because to me it's my norm you know i think that often things that people eroticize are things that are like outside of their norm and therefore exciting and so in that way that that experience wasn't but there is definitely something about that like that primal energy of being out on you know in a wild place and um experience things in the way it's very you know it's very physical it's very rooted in the body and it's you know the like life and death and like getting down to the nitty-gritty of life and sure there's there's a sexual energy in there and uh and yeah no that like towards the end where I had been starving. And just so you know, like I tend to be kind of a no holds barred kind of person. I'm, I'm pretty, um, <laughs> I'm a pretty open book, so this doesn't feel inappropriate, but, um, you can edit it out if you think. That's no, no, hey, I'm fine with it. But I yeah, watched no. the whole poop. I watched the whole poop video and I was like, it's scintillated. <laughs> like I watched right. the whole 22 yeah, minute poop yeah. video. I was like, all right. right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. No, I tend to just talk about the stuff that he's talking about. So whatever, but yeah, no, I mean, I would say that like that, uh, there wasn't like more sexual energy for me out there than there would be otherwise, but it wasn't absent um, until towards the end when I had been really starving for a long freaking time. Because, you know, like starting to digest your own muscles kind of takes it out of you. Right, right. <laughs> There's actually a moment where when they were out for a medical check and uh, I, I somehow like this happens to me where I will say something and not realize the connotation of it afterwards. But there was something where I like invited one of the people to spend the night in my cabin with me, which like obviously it was not going to happen. But like, and, and the, the film people were kind of like, "Ooh, should we like be present for this conversation?" And then I was like, "Oh, that did sound like that, didn't it?" But uh, <laughs> do you want to spend the night but, um, in my yeah, wilderness cabin? <laughs> I think it was like just after I had made the bed or something. They're like, "Oh yeah, that looks pretty cozy." And I'm like, "Heck yeah, it is. Yeah, try it out." Um, <laughs> something like that. But I always, I always laugh that everybody was like, everybody turned a little bit red after that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's. Well, I, this has been amazing. Can you like plug Bucks Begin Revolution? Give us your website, your YouTube, what you you know, how people can. Like, do you have a book? Can have you read? Have you written a book yet? When's your book coming out? Like, um, I have I have several book projects in the works right now. Um, so yeah, there's a lot that I can say about all of that. So my business is Buckskin Revolution, and um, you know, the mission of my business is to empower people with the skills to you know, tend to their needs with their own two hands and from the landscape around them. And so it's about, it's about ancestral skills. And it's also about applying those skills, like having those skills, even if we don't use them, that knowing that we have them changes how we are in our daily life and comes, has us coming from a place that is uh, feeling empowered rather than feeling trapped in the system and feeling like a whole person who is actually using the the physiology that we evolved to have um and also you know just recognizing ourselves as 
wild creatures and with a profound relationship to the wild. So having things in our daily lives, whatever they might be, that remind us of our connection to landscapes outside. You know, you might not need to go out and forage your own food every day, but could you have a little, you know, a buckskin bag hanging on your wall where you know that it came from a wild creature and therefore it's kind of an anchor for the wild in your life, even if you're living in an apartment building in the Bronx, you know, wherever you find yourself, can you, can you integrate a little bit of the wild into your life? Um, so, you know, connection to the landscape around us, connection to who we are on a deeper level, connection to our human community, connection to our ancestors, um, and skills for actually land-based living, you know, um, growing, storing, um, food, medicines, all of those things. So, um, and part of my mission really is to spread those as far and wide as I can. And that's why I've been focusing more on, um, you know, videos and online courses and writing recently. And I, you know, have traveled around the country teaching this stuff for the past several decades. Um, that's been a huge part of my life. And that's really rewarding to me. And I intend to keep doing it. But these days, since the bigger platform um, and the publicity of alone, a lot more people are interested in what I'm doing. So I'm trying to, um, to branch into the video stuff to make it more accessible to people who couldn't come and do a class in person. So there's a lot of ways to be involved in what I'm doing. Um, I have an online skills gathering happening right now. Last week is going to be the last week to register for that. But that's uh, an entire you know, week's worth of classes spread out over 10 weeks of all of the skills like we're talking about, all of the background that, um, that you know, prepares you for more time in the wild and more land-based living. Um, also, I have a Patreon membership, which is a, a crowdfunding platform, but it's a membership-based, so you're, you know, um, you're part of a team, basically the Buckskin Revolution Patreon team. So that is a huge part of allowing me to do a lot of the videos and writing, and eventually I'm hoping to be able to hire people to help me with my video editing because I can only – I'm doing everything myself right oh, now, and there's yeah. only so much I can produce, so I could get a lot more out there if I had more support um, and able to, to hire folks to support me in that. So check me out on Patreon. That is www.patreon.com backslash Wonia Buckskin Revolution. And you get all kinds of benefits for that. And it's a lot more interactive and reciprocal and, you know, exclusive content and, you know, merchandise for certain things, your name in my books and getting to ask questions and a lot more, a lot more interaction. Um, so I really encourage people to do that. That's a huge part of what supports me right now in being able to do this stuff. Um, the mailing list on my website will get you um, in my system so that you get my newsletters, which has my teaching schedule. Um, obviously, most of my in-person teaching has been canceled um, due to COVID, but I will be getting back to that. And I also do mentoring through um, Sage FM, which is, a, which is a mentoring platform where folks can call in and do um, live video and phone consultations. And so that's a way to, you know, get one-on-one -on -one help with your skills um, and you know like I can walk you through brain tanning you can ask questions about a loan you can ask questions about I just had a great conversation last week about how to keep a positive attitude in the face of challenges and adversity um, so yeah I'm really trying to do what I can to make a positive impact on the world and um, also you know social justice is a part of, of buckskin revolution and a part of the revolution and so trying to make these skills more accessible to more people because I feel like you know, there are a lot of people who are disenfranchised and yeah. don't have access to even just getting out into the woods and nature. So trying to do what I can to spread access in more ways so that more people, you know, feel empowered and feel like they have some control over their, their lives and their choices and they're not just 
pawns in a system that they don't understand um, and, you know, can't control, which, like, I get because that's how I felt in my 20s when I was trying to plug into the system and it wasn't working for me. Um, You're amazing. Instagram and Facebook. (laughs) Thank you. So, yeah, there are so many ways to be involved in what I'm doing. And, yes, I do have a couple books. My Patreon members have access to my writing before it's published. For many years, I was selling the rough draft of my book about buckskin clothing. Right now, the only way that you can get that is if you're a Patreon member, at certain levels, you get that rough draft copy of my book that's close to published but not there yet. Um, You get that for free at certain levels, or you get to buy it for a discounted rate at other levels. So, um, yeah, working hard to pump a lot of good resources out there into the world so we have a society of happier, healthier, more whole, more empowered, more inspired, and inspiring people. Yay! This has been, like, (laughs) the highlight of my whole like I can't even tell you this is a dream come to fruition I never thought you're a real person doing real things <laughs> of course ah. I am yeah there are all, the other things we didn't get into are like your philosophies on entitlement and like feminism and stuff but maybe another time this has been incredible and I thank you so much for your time and I and I can't wait to see what happens next um with you and buckskin revolution and everything else online and everybody join the patreon and thank you so much for talking to me on mutiny radio uh and i I'm hope so that glad we can, to thank you so much for asking yeah i hope we can promote anything that you're doing in the future again this has been like thank you so much have a beautiful rest of your day enjoy <laughs> the sunshine thank you and i thought the cat was alive i'm sorry <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, no problem. Right. Well, thanks so much for your time, and I hope to talk to you again someday thanks, soon. Sam. Have a great day. Bye. Sounds great. Yep, we'll be in touch. Yep, all right. Bye. <laughs> that, that was Ronia, Do- Ronia Thabot, everyone. You can see her online on uh, on Facebook. Her fan page is uh, Winia Dawn. And that has been an awesome interview and i'm so proud of myself because i didn't cry i didn't cry all right so call me tim everyone i've been pam benjamin that was when you done this is mutiny radio.fm hey hit up our uh venmo mutiny radio all one word let's watch Welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That is the name of our podcast. Search for L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. 
and we have a YouTube channel. It stands for Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. And Carl, good to see you, man. Hi, Carl. Hey, Mike. I can't exactly see you, but I'm good to Skype you. Good to Skype you, man. Good to Skype you. Uh, Carl, we have a special guest. We have Paul Brumba on the Ta -da. line. Hi, Paul. Ta-da! Great to be here, guys. Paul and I and Carl, we are all part of Mutiny Radio, and you can hear our shows first every Sunday. Just type in mutinyradio.fm into whatever, and you will get our uh, streaming service. Uh, Paul Brumma has a great, great, great podcast called The Edge of Insanity. That is on Sundays at noon. It's also available on iTunes, etc. And then we follow at 2 p.m. This is all Pacific Standard Time yeah. on Sunday. We do what our title says. We L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Uh, it's so obvious. Carl, what movie are we watching today? Today we are watching Carnosaur, 1993. Carnosaur. So that's what you – Carnosaur. So you go – it's C-A-R-N-O-S-A-U-R. That's what you put in your YouTube search engine. 1993. Oh, so it's not carne with an E. Yeah. Not meatsore. Right. It's and not. And it's not coronasaur. And it's not coronasaur. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> not the coronasaur. <laughs> That's a million dollar idea, Paul. Yes. I know. So we like the channel D P O E N. D P O E N. D-P-O-E-N. -E yeah. Carnosaur, 1993, Roger Corman. D-P-O-E-N is the channel we like. Okay, so we want you to go find that, search for it, and when you see the link, click it, and then once you get to the page, hit pause, for God's sake, move the slider to the left, so it should be zero, zero, zero. Did you do that? Good. We're very excited. We're very honored. To have the countdown king himself, the maestro of descending numerals. Let's get ready to brumba. The world doesn't move on the beat of a different brum. Brum 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 brumba. Brum 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 brum. Under brumba. Will you please give it up for Paul Brumba. Yeah. Hey. Brumba. All right. Good to be here, guys. Man, I am so excited about this. Carnosaur. See, and I had it all mixed up with the other week show with uh, the Elvis flick, but we won't even talk about that. Elvis <laughs> is a carnosaur. All right, cool. Here we go. <laughs> do this in true carnosaur uh, style. <laughs> Let's do this in three. Oh, put your finger over the little triangle. Right. I almost forgot my own line. Wow. Holy smokes. Let's do this. Let's do it in three, <laughs> two, one, go. New Horizons, Roger Corman. He didn't direct this movie, right? It just no. he presents it. Yeah, Director's the Roger same Corman guy we saw last week, this. right? Adam Simon. Yeah. So the, wait a minute, the director of Brain Dead directed Carnosaur? Right, and he has the balls to put Brain Dead in this movie. So one of the characters watches his previously directed movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's not even Quentin Tarantino and he's kissing his own butt. The worst part is they're doing a movie podcast about it in real time. <laughs> it took yeah. my idea. Our idea. Yeah, and everyone else's idea. Oh, right. 
Oh, it's the start of us. Chickens. Uh-oh. Bok, bok, chickens. <laughs> Aaron Osborne is a chicken. No, these are ostriches. This is the target species chicken. Ustalik. Target species. None of these chickens. See, it says iguana. Iguana. So, yeah. So yeah. what they're doing is some genetic splicing here, and they're trying to arrive at a dinosaur. You know why they added the lizard? Because iguana add lizard to it. Mm-hmm. Iguana. Uh, I iguana think do iguana. It. I think iguana do it. Yeah, I'll ask him, but I think iguana. Yeah. So he's, they're mutating chickens into like a super monster. Ooh, look at that blood. Albatross. That was a big problem about the project. That albatross that hung on them like something. Yeah, or hung around uh -oh, their... Oh, pelican. Oh, they're naked chickens. The Corman's... Wow. Corman's executive produced this, but this is directed by Brain Dead director. Right, Adam Ugh. Simon, the guy who the the player, the movie the player pokes fun at. And, um... Yeah, you, can you tell that story again? Because that's a great story you had mentioned in last week's episode. Well, I mean, it's just... It was part of the movie, uh... The the player was Tim Tim Robbins and it his he's Griffin Mill and uh, they're shooting some movie and he just says who let Adam Simon on the lot they're just stabbing him okay here's a meeting <laughs> <laughs> here's a meeting and this guy wants to know uh, where Doctor Jane Tiptree is because she's gone missing. Ah, she has, huh? Dr. Jane Tip. Do they call her? Tree. It's a taser. Dr. Jane Tiptree. Well, you oh, see. Oh, we tried everything. The, um, There's no response. <laughs> we, yeah, right. Did you page her? It's, it's, yes, it's 1993. Of course we paged her. We paged her. We faxed her. We sent a telegram. What else can we do? Now, Let's you on remember the, table. the Eunice Corporation from last movie um certainly they were doing a lot of brain dead experimentation right uh, on a serial killer or something and it had an infinity symbol like the sideways eight yeah he made a big deal out of that out of Simon. yes the infinity did it show up at carnosaur well yes as a matter of fact right now the guy from Eunice corporation corporation is saying yeah we got dr chain tip tree uh, we see it says Eunice on the camera. Yeah, look at there it is. It's, it's going to say so Eunice. This is part of the everything. So this is part of the Adam Simon verse. Yes. Okay, Diane Ladd. She is Doctor Jane Tiptree. It says it right there, Carl. She's working in secret for Eunice. And she has to have total seclusion, and they're not allowed to know what she's working on for three years. Or they lose the rights yeah. of their patents. So five bucks says she never leaves this set. Five bucks? I am not that vet. Oh, you did. And how many times have you seen Carter for? I've seen it four times. This is my fifth time. Oh, dear Lord. 
Dear Lord. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay, well, it was great having you, Carl. Let's just stop. <laughs> Imagine this is an elaborate prank. I just wanted you to watch Carter Surf and Tide Tide. Da 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 da. Check you. Uh, we just came in to clean up. <laughs> Diane oh, no, they're on TV. five days on this film. Five days, and she was right there in that uh, set the whole time. And she's top billing. And, and she's, you know, I, full disclosure, I did see this movie in the theater in 1993. Wow. Uh, and she was the best part in it. Okay. Well, you know, uh, one of the things we should mention is that Corman is the master of uh, just ripping off the current movies. And this came out the same weekend as Jurassic Park, which uh, gave him enough free publicity. It well, was look, theatrically released, and I right. saw it. Yeah. I just want to say that the guy who I did saw it in Brookline. Too, the guy who did Cars Life 2, he's the master. He's the master. But uh, Roger You're right. Car- no, I take that back. In- Go ahead, tell them. You tell everybody, like, Jurassic Park was coming out. Yeah, so Jurassic Park was coming out, and his idea was to release a a killer dinosaur movie of his own, Carnosaur. And it played at the Brookline, in Brookline, Massachusetts, there's a movie house, like an art house, and they showed it. And everyone, including myself, lined up because here's a chance to see a Roger Corman movie in 1993 in the theater. And we were really excited. It was the new Corman. Uh, and this was before he, he was cranking out sci-fi movies and he had other mediums to deliver his films. But uh, the movie was terrible. I mean, I, I, at least from what I remember, it was an awful experience. But we experienced it together. Right. You remember right. Oh, too. You know, traditionally on this show, we I asked you at the end of the movie, did you like this movie? But I, I'm going to cut all pretensions and just ask you in the first 10 minutes of our watching, did uh, you think of the film? No, I did not. Uh, this was not well done. No. All right. Okay. So word prep. Because I have seen this and I, I agree. This is really not well done. So that, we'll see why to uh, like as the film goes on. There's reasons to like it, and it's good on your show, but it's just not enough to be like – I mean, I wouldn't watch it a sixth time. <laughs> what about the sequels? Are you going to see Carnosaur 2 or Carnosaur 3? Nope. You're right about that. There was Carnosaur 2 and Carnosaur 3, and then there were two spinoffs. They just didn't call them Carnosaur. One was called Raptor, and one was called The Eden Formula. So that makes five films – off of thanks to Jurassic Park was going to one day come out. Wow, <laughs> that's a nut. Yeah. Uh, you know, this plant looks pretty foul. Ha <laughs> ha! Okay, so poultry plant. Something is missing, you see, and Jane Tiptree wants it back. And so they're saying nobody is in and out of the place. So the driver goes, Come on, bud. I got to be in such and such in five hours and I'm late, you know. So he let him out. So in the back of this chicken truck is something mysterious. Uh, Does it rhyme with dinosaur? (laughs) It does rhyme with dinosaur, yes. (laughs) Actually, dinosaur and carnosaur. That's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Yeah, I always thought this was a carnosaur, like it was made out of meat. Yeah, he's a carnivore. Carnosaur. 
Yeah. Carnosaur. Oh. But he so but the, he doesn't eat plants then, right? He's not an omnivore. Omnivore. No, he's not an omnivore. No. Omnivore. Um, I'm starting an all plant based diet. Mike, did I tell you about that? No, Carl, you didn't tell me about your all plant diet. Yeah, I mean well, by all plant-based, I mean only foods that have been manufactured in a food processing plant. Awesome. <laughs> like mac and cheese, yeah. mac and cheese. Oh, yeah, sure, but of course, but uh, but but no, especially Funyuns. Funyuns are the shit, yo. <laughs> they're all they're all natural. I mean, they're not made out of like imaginary stuff. No, they're made out of fun. Yeah. Okay, so what's happened is what's escaped from Jane Tiptree's lab uh, has now killed. It killed chickens, and then it killed the chicken driver. Now, here's Brain Dead. Really? He looks cool, man. He looks like Arnold. I thought that was Arnold Schwarzenegger for a second. Yeah, right. Uh, oh, be drinking beer. Oh, he's not even drinking beer. He's going for the hard stuff. No, that's a beer. He says... Better a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. A bottle. Oh, boy. Aaron Simon, he, he fucking got the continuity going. That's a reference to his previous film, where he got a lobotomy, or he gave a lobotomy. He gave, gave a lobotomy. Okay, now, this guy's job is to protect all the heavy equipment on this mountain where they're strip mining, and the hippy-dippy guys uh -huh. are, like, fucking with them because they... Don't like the big corporation. And that's why he's shooting at them? Right. Seems extreme. Well, it's keeping them away can't, from like, wait. the site, you know. Yeah. So he could wave, like, a, a stick at them. Dang, hippies. Now, this... Uh-oh, no, he's a killdozer. <laughs> that's right. Good one, Mike. <laughs> 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 that was a switch. Let's hope uh, uh, he. Phew. Oh, no, it's a soundtrack. Blip, 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 blip. Oh, no, it's. Now, now it's followed by the bad killdozer. Knuckles was a dog, was a very fine dog. <laughs> Remember no. how they all looked the same? Like they got one actor to save money? Jesus Christ, that was the second time I did extensive research, and I just couldn't tell any of those guys apart. <laughs> See how it's just... four people in that movie. You know, on a, on a heavy loader? Yeah. Okay, he's found a prisoner. And she's... Whoa. Oh. Whoa. Kelly Kristen. It's uh, Jennifer Runyon. Good day, Monet. And she was in Ghostbusters. Too. Jennifer Runyon. Do you remember they were doing that test? The, uh, yeah. Like what? A couple she of weeks. Lines. Like what do I have on the card? She was well, the right. Yeah, the flirt, flirt bait for uh, Bill Murray. That's a memorable scene. Yeah. But that was like 11 years prior to this. That was 84. I, so nine years. 84, yeah. And then she was on Charles in Charge from 84 to 87. 
as um, well. What, way to bury the lead, Carl. Way to bury the lead. Of course, I know who she is. She's from Charles in Charge, the first family. And she was Cindy Brady in A Very Brady Christmas, 1988. This is her last thing she ever did on camera. She she quit after this. Wow. Well, let's uh, be grateful that she's in this movie then. Yes. Very Brady Christmas. Yeah, Jennifer Funyon. <laughs> Funyuns are Did she play Marsha? Did she replace somebody? Did Funyun replace somebody? No, heir to the heiress to the Funyun. As you know from reading uh, Hollywood Dogs That Drink, Cindy. Yes, they had a tiger for Brady Bunch. Right. Cindy was a. You know, Cindy fell into ruin after the Brady Bunch, and she tried to sleep with. What's that dog's name? Tiger. Tiger. Yeah, remember she was like. Yanking on his pocket rocket, it's in the book. Uh, so they needed somebody to be Cindy because Cindy was <laughs> now na- nowhere to be found, and that was Jennifer Runyon. Interesting. Now this is the coroner. Wow, that's a claim to fame. It is, yeah. and I don't know why she went away. Her name is Thrush in this film, <laughs> like it's their hippie name. Her oh. name is Anne. And this guy is a professional coroner who doesn't wear goggles or masks when cutting out shit. Good, <laughs> good to know. Right. His mask is down. Even, Yeah, even Quincy puts up, ties his fucking mask up. Right. You know, so every time they go to a coroner in any movie. It's never got blood on it. medical exam, no blood on it. Yeah, look, I'm going to use – I don't have time to take my glove off, so I'll just use the rotary phone now. <laughs> yeah, and spread the germ. Nine, eight. Beer. Now, you know, my favorite part of medical examiners in movies, they're always eating a sandwich when they show up. <laughs> what do you got? Well, you know, right? Because it wants to show that they're so used to gore. Yeah, right. They don't even care. And they also don't mind when, like, Dirty Harry shows up. Oh, Harry, hey, way to break up the monotony of my day. I just went through two corpses. Yeah, of course I'll talk about this body. <laughs> Now, the guy who wrote a book called Carnosaur was approached to write the screenplay in 1991 uh, by Corman's wife, Julie, but they didn't do anything with it until Jurassic Park. He bought the rights to this in 91, but it just sat around, and then when when Jurassic Park was coming out, okay, there was this guy, Mike Elliott, he's the co-producer, and he says that Corman was like, now's the time to shoot because... He, you know, he knew he could make the movie faster than anyone else and get it out there, and he could he could eat the hype of Jurassic Park. Well, because Jurassic Park was hype to begin with. Yeah. I, I remember, uh, you, you know, my late father was a, a, a entertainment journalist, and he did some book reviews, and he would get some press copies, mm-hmm. and we received like a, an advanced copy of it, and it was like a hot item. You know what I mean? Like. Even before the publication, everybody knew that Michael Crichton had cranked out like a mega yeah. movie, uh, mega, you know. Because it was so it was a, it was very hot property. Yeah, and it was it was already optioned by the time it hit hardcover, uh, the first initial release. It was already optioned to be a movie. Yeah. So now you know, this book, Carnosaur, uh, predates Jurassic Park by six years. It was written six years earlier mm. than Michael Crichton's book. Do you think Crichton ripped him off? No, 
<laughs> like he did, like he did the previous book. My wife's in a coma. Oh, what great. a great idea! <laughs> no, wasn't it like a Michael Crichton did? A, he's a weird guy, like pop culture wise, because not yeah. only is he like a popular, famous novelist, but he wrote and directed his own movies, Westworld and Coma. Oh. He was like a mega movie director for for a streak. Andronica so Stream is that did Westworld? I'm I'm gonna say yeah. That's intense. I, I just got to tell you what happened. The doc, this sure. guy was a doctor, but he he's he's a drunk, so now he's just guards uh, the you know the heavy equipment. But the girl ran away because he passed out drunk, right? So the cop right. took him and said. Do you see the girl here? Now, clearly he did see the girl, but he lied and said, nah, she isn't here. So now Charles in Charge girl, Jennifer Funyon, has got a crush on the doc, is grateful to the doc. Oh, well, that's good. Oh, so this starts their bond. That's right. This starts their bond, sure. which will grow throughout the film. Here we are doing the work you know, of the heavy loader place. Okay, so yeah, Rock is cool, of course drunk stuff. again, and Funyun shows up mm -hmm. to say thanks. Yeah, thanks for nothing. Michael Crichton did direct uh, Westworld. Wow, I was I was correct. I loved that. Yeah, he was like an unstoppable force. Yeah, the first one's good. And then, you know, the future world was shot in my university, I believe. Bra uh, Brad Knight says he was... Yeah, there's, they had an auditorium that was so future-like. It Where'd appeared in... Brandeis. Brandeis, that's... I went to school at Brand... Yeah, right. Brandeis. You know how, like, you buy brand name rice? Brandeis. <laughs> Michael and took a chance they on had an, uh, and rolled the Brandeis. <laughs> yeah, snake eyes. So the, you know, like uh, their grad, one of their grad auditorium is like futuristic looking, and they use it for the movie. And it's like, whoa, look at Peter Fonda, he's in the future. Yeah. So wait, future world. Now I saw Westworld. Uh, I right, better write that with down. Will Brenner. Future World's the sequel. Well, there was like a TV show in 1980 called Beyond Westworld. Yeah, like it had a life of its own. Like it, the HBO show, which I enjoy, wasn't the only uh, Westworld TV show. Okay, Future World sounds very familiar, but you know what? It was like Westworld was big, and then there was a porno called Sex World, really, which I haven't seen. And then there was a, a sequel to Westworld, theatrical release called Future World, and then there was Beyond Westworld. Okay, Beyond Westworld, yeah, which was I, TV, a movie also? No, it was five episodes. Well, it was, uh, I think it was, it was a 1980 TV series. I just know of it because I know the uh, okay. Westworld universe, but I haven't seen it. I'm sure it's on the YouTube. Future World? Or you type it in the streaming services. Okay. Beyond Future, uh, no, Future World is the sequel. Yeah, yeah. And Beyond, then Beyond Westworld. Westworld, that's it. So Bronson, who you know, like, wrote this book, he didn't like this. Yeah. He didn't like it at all, this adaptation. 
in order to do things cheaply, they Bronson's book had a lot of dinosaurs. This one only has two dinosaurs. Right. Uh, uh, Gertie the dinosaur from Winsor McKay's cartoons right. and Barney and and Barney, and Barney the dinosaur yeah. for the two decade, uh, two centuries. All right, now Barney is getting pissed, and but oh, there goes Barney attacks. Oh no! And Barney vision. What a nineties attack! It looks like an ad for. <laughs> oh my God! He's covered in fudge. He's wiping fudge all over everything. Oh no! The carnivore is ripping into her guts. Way yeah. go. Eating, yeah. Now Simon, that was a hand sure, puppet. There's so many hand puppet, really, for real. Yeah, they did a lot of. Uh, they did a remote controlled puppet. They did a man in a suit. They did a a full size, like sixteen foot tall robot. They did a lot of different things to make. There it is. Yeah. But that was the hand puppet right now. That well, I don't know what that particular shot was, but anytime the dinosaur's up close and doing like a eating thing, it's it's the hand puppet. What kind of how tall is the gentleman that was in the dinosaur suit? I mean that was like a baby dinosaur. Yes, that's right, because this is early in the film and the thing is growing. Mm. You see the the I was trying to tell you about the car uh the car coroner, um. Like, he isn't sure what did it because the thing it was like um the, like maybe the size of a bobcat, but it but it sort of looks like lizard bites. It, you know he, so later on he'll be like this is the same thing, but the bites are much bigger. He, that'll keep occurring, and he's like, hold me, either. There's more than one, or this thing is growing. <laughs> okay, well, so what do you think it is? You've seen this movie. Yeah. It's growing. <laughs> so Eunice Corporation is now learning that they found a genetic marker in, you know, people who are getting killed. Uh, and it's... Did it say Office Depot marker? <laughs> That's pretty generic. It was the universal product symbol. Um, <laughs> and so if it's true, that means a chicken is killing people. Cut to a guy eating chicken on the road. Right, and he's saying, you should have some. It's good for your health. Look, that's the guy in the suit. Ah, uh, right. Is the other guy Seth Green? Oh, that's the guy in the suit, really? Yeah, and there's Funyun. Walking home. Crunch. She and went to say because she's in a bright orange bag. But they fought. They fought about environmentalism. So she's walking. So she's out of here. Yeah. She's all pissed. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Right. Well, she's Cindy now. Not Jan. But just for Christmas, and it was a very Brady Christmas because he was. It was uh, 1988, yeah, just before. Ah, that's way. That's long in the tooth, Brady Bunch special. Yes, exactly. You know, the nostalgia. Yeah, and the thing is, like, they still crank it out. There was an HGTV show where they bought the Brady's exterior house. Mm-hmm. And then they had the cast of the original cast of Brady Bunch come in, and they re- redid it to resemble the house. 
That's so like them to do that because they listen. That movie was that television show was popular, and when it when it was in syndication and on at like five o'clock every day, it turned into nostalgia for it. Right? They cashed in on that every chance they could. Right. No, sure. Well, a very pretty sequel in the uh, the first pretty much movies in the nineties. They're both great. Yeah. Do you remember the stupid parody yeah, they, movie? It which was, one? It was like 2000. The Brady's. Remember the guy goes, Yeah, I think we're thinking of Car Jack. And he goes, Well, of course it's a car, right. but my name's not Jack. My it's name's Greg. Greg Brady. Sure, I thought, I thought that came out. I, that's the movie I'm talking about. Uh, but I think that came out in the 90s. Hmm. So I, that's possible. I do know, yeah. Yeah, I think so, because you, you I was talking about the... PSE&G. Yeah, you're my, yeah, I think you're right. I'll look it up. Now they're yeah. finding a dead guy by the road. Of course, he was eaten by a carnosaur. Well, yeah. You could, you could tell, because there's like carnosaur chomps everywhere <laughs> on his body. Carnosaur chomps. And they, they tip, <laughs> the carnosaur tip 10%, which you know they're lousy tippers when they eat. They're lousy tippers, those cars. So John Bronson was, in 1984, was doing a, like, book signing tour. And Roger Corman was like, hmm, what's this? That's when he took notice of him. And then his wife, Julie, you know, his Roger Corman said, sick him. And she, like, made a deal <laughs> on a, at a bar written on a napkin. Wow, that's classic. In 91, yeah. And that's what Diane Ladd read. Did they, what about the script? Did they use actual paper for the script, or did they just no. put the napkins? Right. They used the napkins. <laughs> wow. A carnivore just ate the shit out of Oh, that's the puppet? Uh, I didn't pay attention to tell you, but if it's up close and, like, chewing out guts, it's the puppet. With someone's hand up is gotcha. I love the font. It reminds me of like unskippable game scenes. Like, come on, I want to get to the action. <laughs> so he's telling the senator that this is the best blueberry pie he's ever tasted because it's like got a thin layer of goat embryo protecting it. And then the senator's like, "Blah, gross." Yeah. Might as well say I, I have semen, my semen in the pie center. I think we're I think I'm a couple of seconds behind you, but that's okay. I'll live. It's because Paul does the countdown. He goes three, two, one. Then he goes whatever the fuck. You know he he doesn't. Right, he's got you in a rhythm. Three, two, one, and then you click. But no, he goes, good, good, go. Right. Like, you know, he always does that. Why does it? He's the countdown king. So he gets everybody He's the countdown off. king. He's the you know maestro I mean? descending numerals. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know, he is the maestro descending numerals. So saying the word go, he's a little wonky on it. So the thing is, Mike, how many times have you and I, right, we get go, we should be 100% synced, and, you know, like, that doesn't happen when it's the uh, Brumbot, right? 
Oh well, I don't know about that. I'm not gonna about to. I'm not gonna pit human robot against human. Don't worry, he's not gonna listen to this show. Okay, so we're back to Jane Tiptree. Um, Diane. Yes, I, Ladd. I see it. It says this. What's, so what's that? your latitude? Uh, and what's your latitude and, and longitude? Well, it where wherever this lab is, that's her all the only place she's gonna. Okay, now we find out that right. she's a son of a bitch. She's got the guy who let the dinosaur go, and she's like right. kidnapped his daughter, and now he's a prisoner. How how does he kidnap the daughter without leaving the lab? I don't know. And then she's like making him feel terrible seeing she's like yes feel angry allow yourself to feel that she's being such an a-hole <laughs> and she lies that the daughter's alive and then he has a dinosaur eat this guy <laughs> so uh, let me get this straight carl because you have seen this movie five times yes she says how did your carelessness caused dinosaurs to eat people, and that is cardinal sin. So right. I'm going to have a dinosaur eat you. Right. That's right. I'm going to kidnap your daughter to get you here. I'm going to but lie to you about her health and well-being, and then I'm going to have a dino eat you. See, that's just like, why can't you just have the dino eat you? Why do you have to kidnap the daughter? Like, what are you going to do? Like, okay – uh, there's no ransom money because your father has been eaten by a carnosaur. <laughs> Eunice Corporation. Look, uh, he's in like a... Uh, yeah. Is it a super collider? Yeah, you think they shot that in a super collider? I would doubt it. You can it. see a scientist in the background going... You can see a scientist in the background going, listen, Julie, we're just doing this for the money. <laughs> yeah, we took Corman's money. But they were in and out in two hours. Oh, my name is Adam Simon. I've directed Diane Ladd. <laughs> oh, well, come on in. Please. I say Peter opens the doors for you. Well, he also... He was in Carnosaur. Uh... Oh, he wrote the script called Bones. It was a Snoop Dogg vehicle. Uh, he did The Haunting in Connecticut in 2009. Oh, oh yeah, I remember that movie. <laughs> okay, he created and oh, produced, that was a produced scary the TV. He created and produced the TV series Salem, 2014 to 2017. That's pretty good. I got yeah, I remember that. I, I do know that Haunting in Connecticut is probably the scariest tri-state movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to say that. I tried to state it. I try I try state. I tried to I try, you try state. To... I try. You can yeah. You know what's funny? It's Connecticut thinks Connecticut. it's New England. Isn't that funny? No, it's tri state. I know it's in two, it's in both New England and Lucky Them. They think they're New England. So you get, really they get two kinds of. Com well, if you still watch uh, terrestrial TV on in Connecticut, you get two kinds of ads: one aimed for the tri-state and one aimed right. for the New England. New England. They think the Patriots represent them. As soon as you yeah. drive into well, Connecticut, it's right? It's like a border town. You drive uh -huh. in there, you start seeing all these old-timey uh, uh, New England style architecture <laughs> but, it, 
if you... everyone's drinking moxie cola. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's like weird potato chips. Like this, these aren't wise. Where's the but, wise potato chips? Yeah. Oh, you're in Connecticut now. Cape Cod can potato have... chips. Cause we're so it's, it's old like mother trying to say like, see, see, you've arrived. Yup. Uh huh. You're here, New England. No, 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 Connecticut. You're a border town. Well, I always thought it was like in New Jersey. You could say, well, there's northern New Jersey and there's southern New Jersey. Right. But is there like something in Connecticut that's like half tri-state the state and then half New England the state? Good question. I wouldn't know. Good, good question. Uh, Look, Ron Howard's uh, brother, Gentle Ben. Chris. Uh, Star Trek reference. That is our Star Trek you Remember when he was four years old? Ooh, and that chili was in Gen- Next Generation. <laughs> His name is Fryer in this. Oh, by the way, everyone's been sneezing. Like everybody has a cold. That'll play into the. That'll play into the plot. Yeah. But not in a good way, I take it. You remember Gentle Ben? You're just a. I'm just a little older than you. You probably missed Gentle Ben. <clears throat> yeah, I mean there were repeats, but I don't think I, I watched it as heavily as I did say the Brady Bunch. Yeah. Well, duh. No, but Gentle Ben was when I was just old enough to, like, realize TV was a thing. Like, I'm just a little – I think I'm two years older than you. Is that right? Yeah, maybe, yeah, you're right. Maybe a year and a half. When are you born? 68? Late 68. Late 68, and I'm early so October. 66. So, yeah, it's less. Hey, look, it's the producer and his wife in the movie. <laughs> That's right. It's not. But it's just some goof. Uh, okay, so you probably know it's him. Beggar. From, uh, he was in uh, Apollo 13. Uh, yeah, we, we, we've thought every time he's in every one of his brother's movies right. for the most part. And he's, Austin Powers. He's like the ice cream man. Yeah. Yeah, he's in Austin Powers. Well, he only does a cameo. He'll remember at the end of the Austin Power movies that like they it sounds like they're gonna say penis or dick and then right. they cut to someone else saying something else. Yeah. That was his bit. So he would say, according to the radar, it looks like the rockets is going straight up there. Arsenal. We need more arsenal. Okay, so they chained themselves this is the robot. They chained themselves to the um heavy equipment. And Doc said, you know what? Forget it. There's something. Look, he goes, yeah, hey, my green friend. <laughs> now, look, this guy's name, oh, yeah. his name is Pizza. His name is Pizza. Okay. Yeah. Looks like uh, not delivery. Robot. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Watch his face. Oh. Pizza! Yeah, it looks like Roadkill. Yeah, pizza. Looks like pizza. Marinara. Okay, so now the girl, it ladies, like gonna a... get it. Now, you will see an, somebody tugging her fuck? foot. You'll see his hand on okay. camera. Right? All right. Not yet. Not well, yet. Now, you should see his ha- a hand, see? Yeah! <laughs> uh-huh. Total perv. Look at that upskirt. Mom, when she loses her leg, she's like, "Okay, he's he's busy uh, eating my oh, leg." Oh, okay. 
Yeah, well, you know, I get kind of, look at him, he's picking his teeth with it. Yeah, I'm looking like a good stogie. Should, hey, Carl, do you want to pause or something? Because I'm a couple of seconds behind you, but I, I mean, normally I am anyway. Uh, yeah, okay, so uh, I'm at 05, 06, 07, 08, 09. What okay. about you? I'm at 06 right now. Okay, so I want you to keep going, and you tell me when you get to 20, okay? Okay, sounds good. Tw- I'm going to get there in when you three. Get to 21. Okay, 21. Okay, that sucks. All right. That was not counting. Where are you now? <laughs> well, you, you said 21 when it was at 20. I, uh, you know. Okay, so I'm at 32, 33, 34, 35. What about you? Okay, we're at the, we're queued up. We're good. Oh, we're good. good. Okay. We got the bridge. He's coughing. He's passing by a pukey body, but he didn't puke. That's pizza. So he's upset because they're all dead. And you know what that means. That means girl's dead. But now he finds her. She isn't. Oh, no. She's our hero. She, she gets the same kind of abuse that everyone else does because she doesn't drop dead instantly. Well, you see that usually these like two are fighting, right? So now, you know, now it's being shown his real feelings. He really likes her. So this is the coroner talking to the cop about the bites getting bigger. Oh, huh. I wonder if they could figure this out. Quincy. Maybe. So wait, is Carnosaur growing, like, exponentially? Like. Yeah. Fast growth. Wow, this acting is pretty wooden. Oh, that's the corpse. Sorry. He's the corpse. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. It's a dinosaur bite. Don't worry, I'm a professional. I worked at Jurassic Park. I've seen this before. <laughs> now, the body count in this is only 32. I think that's pretty low. That's pretty fucking high. It's good. Like, usually these movies, you know, the Carnosaur just shows up randomly and then eats one or two, but they've already, he's already eaten a good number of people. Okay. I think he, I don't know. All right. 32 is, you think 32 is a fair body count? I, yes, sir. I think it's a, it's more than generous body count. Oh, by the way, Roger, Roger Ebert said this was the worst movie of 93. Well, I'm going to agree with Mr. Ebert for once. Yeah, and of course that asshole just to be different was like, I liked it! Get out. How can you like this? Right. Really, we've already tipped our hat. We hate this movie, but I mean, how can you like... So, what she's doing now is finding his drawings and stuff and being like, Maybe he's not such a bad guy, but then she finds like this bloody That's stuff. You. I thought she was like, he did have etchings back in his bedroom. It wasn't bullshit. Uh oh. Wow. Press the X button. Now that was enough to get rid of Carnosaur. Carnosaur was like, all right, fuck it then. I'll, I can eat plenty of people. I don't need to get shot at. Yeah, hey man. I'm not bullet sore. I eat meat. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Why would you feed me bullet? Guy looks like a retail. 
Not again. Oh, I let that carnosaur escape. This guy's name is Raphael Sabarge, and it's S-B-A-R-G-E, Sabarge. No I vowel. Saw that. Yeah, like sub. Well, what's the name of that chain in the East Coast, Sabaros? Oh, right. Uh, the That's a hot dog. Uh, SB, you're right, you're right. That was a, remember, I think the Fat Boys went in there and cut screws when they were all you can't eat. When they eat, they go to Nathan's in New York and Times Square and eat and eat the wallpaper. I didn't see it on purpose. Uh, okay, now. Trust me, if it was on YouTube, we were watching it. He's pretending to be a guy who's bringing back to Jane the the dinosaur. Okay, Jane Tiptree, but right. really it's. It's Doc. He wants to know what's going on. Now, this part of the, once again, we're in Biodome. We're in Biodome. Oh, wait a minute. So we watched uh, his last movie was also shot in the same location as the right. movie Biodome. Right. Well, he works cheap. I mean, then again, this is a Corman movie, as was the last one. So they, you know, he may not have a say in it. They may say, "Look, we got." Biodome it's available. a water recreation yeah, okay, great. plant, and they they rent the place out a lot of times for a lot of movies. The Fugitive? Uh, the list isn't in front of me. I did read it to you last time. I know it's Biodome, and uh, there was Star Trek episodes shot there. Um, I forget now. But the thing is, it's nonsensical. What he does, he wants to understand what's going on. So he holds her at gunpoint, goes into her lab, and that's it. He's here for the rest of the film, and basically they have a long conversation. It doesn't make any sense. Really? Yeah, because, well, then, I mean, I remember something happening to Diane Ladd, which we'll have to wait to see, but you don't it happens in the it? Uh, lab, right? We just so good. We haven't ruined the ending of this movie. All right, well, we are 45 minutes. Let's go ahead. Go ahead and ruin it because I want to make sure our listeners listen to the entirety of the movie. And they might abandon us before the end of this. Well, I want to say she'll give birth to a dinosaur, but she won't give birth to it. It'll pop out of her stomach. And it was on purpose. It was of her own design. It's her fiendish plot. There's eggs right there. It's kind of foreshadowing. So she got herself impregnated with carnosaur, and she gave birth by dropping a carnosaur egg, and then the carnosaur popped out of it. She got everybody pregnant. She got them sick with a virus, and that virus somehow made a dinosaur grow in every woman. And every woman will give birth to a dinosaur and die. Including this woman. Yeah. She's the guy's hugging his pregnant wife. That's Holy shit. Shit, what a fucking movie. So come for the Jurassic Park ripoff and stay for the forced impregnation of dinosaur baby eggs. Right. Th- spread through a contagion virus. Uh, it's to the virus to movie. And race and bring dinosaurs back. That's what Jane Tiptree wants this, to do. This movie. Holy fuck. That's the actual plot of this movie. Yeah. That is so depressing. I'm so bummed out by that. 
She's saying right now, I, I'm sick too. I have a fever. And he's like, go lay down. I'll make my own breakfast. Give me that. <laughs> now he's, he's going to make... He's a good husband. But something weird's going to happen. Uh -oh. Yeah, I don't want to see this. It's going to be all bloody and shit, right? Or is there going to be a dino baby in there? That's, well, yeah. No. Here's the first one. All right, here we go. Oh, come on, do three eggs, man. You know you want to eat a hearty breakfast. You're a big boy. One egg. Oh. What the? And it smells. It smells, too. Oh, good thing it has another bowl behind there. Yep. Got plenty. Where's that pile of clean Ew. bowls? Oh, by the sink. Ew. Oh, I'm glad we synced up for this. What? Oh, careful, you. Oh. Clutch? Oh. That's clutch. Oh, no. Gross. Oh, I'm going to pukey. Now, I would expect Roger Corman to have it bite his finger, right? That makes sense. Right. Doesn't happen. Hi, I'm looking for my brother. Yeah. Brother, are you in here? <laughs> He's like, what oh, the boy. heck? Is He's oh, Clint. chicken. He just had a big meal, yeah. remember? I think it's not tacky to eat chicken and fried chicken in a slaughterhouse. <laughs> remember that show, Louie? He was like, chickens are dumb. Aren't they a little leery? We think they'd be a little leery of us by now, but no, they're just, there's never any protest. You never see like a Martin Luther chicken. Oh no. Bye-bye, Clint. Bye-bye, Clint, who is an avid golfer, but can't be a golfer anymore. Um, he had a hip Why replacement that? and he had to quit. Was it because Carnosaur bit his head off? No, if it is hip off. He used to play 150 rounds a year, he brags. That's every other day. Oh, well, who can blame him? I mean, he's been in the industry for so long. He must have a certain routine down. He's got a lot of time free to play golf. He also has a lot of free time because he plays World of Warcraft. Um, really? Well, yeah. well, that's great. He doesn't have to pay for skins to look like himself. Well... He does have that. Um, he is known for his activity in the World of Warcraft game. Howard plays a game, the game under the name Extas, E-X-T-A-S, on the Herod Classic Realm. How cool is that? He must have been doing that for a while. Yeah. The thing is, if you're a Hollywood guy, you, you know, you go do uh, My Name is Earl episode, and then you're off for the rest of the day, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. They need you for day shoots for Pumpkinhead 4, and then you got the rest of the afternoon. Now he brings it to the coroner, which I guess makes sense. Right, there's only four actors in this movie. Is he in a body bag? Oh, no, no, no. No, she's just sick, and so she's bundled up. He's just checking on his patients now. Everybody's sick. There's nothing he can do but have them sit around. There's no cure. So is it the coronavirus? Yeah, carnosaurus virus. Oh, did you say carnosaur? No, I said coronavirus. 
This is a mock. Wow, all these premium This is called ones. a mock buster. <laughs> wow, so all these women are. Mock do they know Jurassic they're pregnant? Park, right? Yeah. This is like the sick room. So this is like a. Oh, this guy's a good dude. This film made about a million bucks. They spent eight hundred fifty thousand to make it, and it made one point eight million. So just under a million dollars right. they made. Uh, that's why Roger Corman does it. Well, you, you know, like it did have a theatrical release. They did have the hype about going against Jurassic Park, but in reality, yes. they were playing like in the Brookline in these little small art house theaters. You know, like your little hipster theaters. So it wasn't like it was playing at the AMC. No, no, no. Okay, so the assistant says, "Doc, you know, Doctor Tip, uh, Doctor Tip Tree, can I go home? I feel sick." She goes, "Yes, but come down here first. I want to examine you." And now Doc, who got her at gunpoint, right, is just sort of hanging out in the lab now. Right. He's not even, you yeah, know. Like, he put his gun away, right? I guess so. Like he got himself down there under gunpoint, and then he didn't do anything with her. <laughs> and now it's business as usual for her. Yeah, I know it's really weird. Well, I, I'm sure like they just edited whatever scenes they had with her just to get this movie out. <laughs> like it's probably not Diane. Diane Ladd, man, she's been in some good movies, and her she's the mother of uh, uh, Laura Dern, right? Right, she's the mother of Laura Dern, and so everybody thinks that that's why she got the part. Uh, she won Academy Award for Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, seventy four. She won a Golden Globe. Yeah, great for movie. The TV show Alice, you know, in between 80 and 81. Um, she received Emmy Award nominations for Wild at Heart, Rambling Rose. She was in Chinatown, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Ghosts of Mississippi, Primary Colors, 28 Days. And she's the mother of Laura Dern and the ex-husband, her ex-husband is Bruce Dern. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're all great actors. I love Laura Dern. Fucking, I don't know if you ever saw that movie where uh, uh, Matt Damon goes small, downsizing. He right. Turns into a little small guy. Yeah. He's fucking amazing in that movie. And then uh, he's good in uh, Big Little Eyes. I like everything Laura Dern does. And I like I like Diane Ladd, and I like Bruce Dern. He's still alive. Okay, now. Uh-oh. It's a girl. She died, and now look what came out. Right, I'll take that. Husband's like, what the fuck just happened? Is it the husband? No, that's the. No, that's that guy. Look how calm he is. That she was sick. She wasn't even pregnant. She just gave birth to a thing. Look at the yeah. mist coming out of the lab. See. Why is that weird? It it's must just be movies. Oh, look at Welcome to my museum of eggs. Well, she's okay. saying, be careful. Don't fuck with my eggs. And that's a strong, you know, later he'll be all happy about that because he can threaten her. 
Exactly. Oh, I'm going to shoot the egg. This is the most exciting I'm going to shoot the egg scene in That's movie right. history. <laughs> that is the most intense I'm going to shoot your egg scene I've ever seen. So oh, yeah. Up there with the scene in Casablanca. The crew was given more time than usual in Corman Productions. Now, this was shot in 18 days, the principal photography at least. But Simon, Adam Simon had six months to research and write it off the book. Um, they ignored a lot of plot points from the book. But I'm saying six months because of the special effects and everything. <clears throat> they right. didn't want to use stop motion because it would take too long and interfere with the filming. Real time model. It looks better though. With. And green camera work. Yeah. How can we get into her? Yeah. Well, it's the point of view of the carnosaur. He sees a chroma, chromatic uh, vision. So the rebel forces need to go here because the. Uh, I don't know. No, it's not Star Wars. I don't know. It um. So they had a three-foot T-Rex animatronic puppet. They had regular hand puppets. They had a suit model. You know the suit, and they had the full-scale prop, of course, which was the robot, and it had a system legs like hinges and cables and pulleys. Uh, they had a lot of different uh, uh, puppets and robots and such. I heard. I heard they had to use part of the script to make that. Yeah, it's Bug Out Square. It's uh, Bug Out Square from the from the bunker. But um, it's okay. Uh, you know, I got a grilled cheese. Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? I've been hearing his name all over the. Hey, this week on Buckhouse Square, I'm laying low, man. Um. I'm laying low. Things are heating up, so I'm uh, I've, I'm around some got some older folk. So I'm just uh, isolating myself as best I can. Uh, you know the the station's great, um, but <laughs> I'll be back. I'm just gonna lay just gonna lay low for for a little bit. So uh, thanks for doing what you got to do to do. This is Bug House Square. It's a uh, little thing uh, that it is. Come along and chased us out in the rain. Was that a vigilante man? Stormy days, we'd pass the time away. Sleeping in some good warm place. Man, come along and we give him a little race. Was that? A vigilante man Preacher Casey was just a working man And he said, unite all you working men Kill 
man Shotgun in his hand, would he shoot his brother and sister down? I rambled around from town to town. I rambled around from town to town. Did, uh, Cam Strong, ably besting the ha hell hat. Yay, give it up for Cam Strong again. Hooray! Your next comedian, an amazing comedian from Portland, puts together the Ha Ha Harvest Festival. Clap your hands wildly for Shannon Hunt! Alright, um, so I missed Thomas's set. Um, because I was outside getting um, way too high to do comedy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, I missed it. It was good, right? It was good? He doesn't know. Okay. Um, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about me because uh, I like this joke so much. Um, I, uh, I'm so old that I lost my uh, virginity to... <laughs> Alanis Morissette's album, Jagged Little Pill, the week that it came out. <laughs> um, I just thought you ought to know. All right. <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to do. That's why I went and got high, because I'm not very funny at stuff like this, but I'm hilarious when I'm high. So <laughs> I figured this would... Okay, here we go. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, okay, here we go. Ask the audience to follow Mutiny's Instagram. Mutiny Radio SF. Okay. Plug. Also, while we're at it, you can follow Harvest Comedy Fest Instagram. And I'm the Shannon Hunt. Shannon with an A. 
I better get some followers. Um, I made a mess of probably this set. Uh, <laughs> the reason I'm going to hell. Oh, where do I start? Um, one time I sold a $750 Home Depot gift card to someone on eBay and then I never sent it to them. Wait, we're supposed to be telling jokes, right? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, yeah, my life's a joke. All right, um, these are fun, actually. Uh, worst habit, best felony. I, I don't understand. <laughs> I'm sorry. My worst habit, I bite my nails. That's like a habit, right? Um, I don't know what best, what was the felony? Like, a f I think that was the Home Depot card, right? Okay. <laughs> All right, um, what species should we bring back from extinction? Uh, God, I don't, what's extinct? <laughs> yeah, see, you guys answered that question for me <laughs> and, and probably better than I would. Oh, an audience prize. Do I get a prize? Yeah. Let's give it to the audience. I get to choose the audience member. Oh my God, great minds think alike. Look at that sweater. Let's do this. No, over there. He's not wearing a sweater. Yes, you, 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 you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. It's for me. I can't get any higher than I already am. Is it even possible? How, how many milligrams is in this? 20 milligrams. So I can have <laughs> a nibble. Okay. I don't think I can do, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, breakfast, wake and bake. Okay, who is the most evil person right now? Um, the man, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, the most outlandish thing I've done this week. Oh boy, I mean, I'm pretty basic. Yeah, well, I did almost get stabbed last night. That was fun. I got chased. <laughs> this is a oh my gosh. This okay, I'm gonna tell the story now. This is a new joke I have. Uh, so last night, me and my uh, crazy friend Shantae, I'm gonna tell her name and we'll call her out on this one. Uh, we got lost, sort of, and we were looking for a place to buy weed. <laughs> and it was 9:47, so we were freaking out. And uh, she got approached by some guy who asked her if she needed anything. She's like, yeah, I need directions to this dispensary. He's like, okay, I'll take you there. So we followed him around the corner, and it was right there. And we went in, we bought our stuff. She bought our stuff. And then we got out, and the guy was like, where's my eighth? <laughs> where's my eighth you promised to buy me? <laughs> and she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> And he's like, we had a deal. And so she was like, hey, I'll give you a cigarette or like a dollar. Because it was like, <laughs> you walked me to a dispensary. 
And he's like, no, fuck that. And then he starts like walking past, like walking up to her and she starts walking away and he follows her and he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out, and I don't know what he pulled out, but it had an orange handle. So I'm pretty sure it was like one of those box knives. I don't know, it could have been, I have no idea, a dog toy. Um, but he's pulling, starting to pull it out and I like ran up to her and we then we, ch- we ran off. And I, while running, because I'm a white girl, dialed 911 <laughs> on my phone. And then I, cause I just was like, well, if he stabs us and we fall to the ground, they can triangulate us and find us. Uh, <laughs> I listened to too much of my favorite murder. All right. So then we hopped in the lift car that we had waiting for us and we're like, go, go, go. <laughs> and he did. He totally did. We're like, there's a guy. I think he has a knife. It was fun. Our lift driver was pretty awesome. He totally like was our getaway car, and he did it. What was his name? Aik. Oh my God! Shout out to Aik. You totally saved us. You saved us. And then the police called me back, and I had to give like this whole description, and it was crazy. Um, have I ever stolen anything? I mean, I stole that Home Depot card. Okay, <laughs> I'm totally admitting to it. Come find me. Um, this is like very thematic to how big of an asshole I am. Started off with the first one. My biggest fear, uh, I mean, besides death, probably really totally bombing on stage in front of a lot of people. Like, that sounds like sh- Okay. Um, name three good things about witchcraft. Was this, were the, did you put those in there just for me? Like, all of those? That's crazy. Okay. <laughs> it is, totally. So three good things about witchcraft. Um, wha- okay. Oh, God. One is you get to be at one with the earth, which I think is great. Um, you get to do a lot of things with elements, and it makes you feel closer. Uh, you get to have really a really pretty altar <laughs> because it's amazing, and you get to pay post pictures of it on Instagram if you're not like me. Okay. And the third thing is you get to have, most of the time, some uh, some coven sisters, and that's always a great time. It's always a great time. Um, all right, that you almost get uh, stabbed with them though. But then witchcraft, because I did I did uh, we I did a spell to make the uh, dispensary stay open for us, and they did. All right, bye. Thank you, I'm Shannon Hunt. last night frosty nugs has been stabbed in the heart so that's like what it happens in san francisco your last comedian tonight he's gonna pull from the hell hat everybody from boston kevin quigley i gotta take my jacket off because i'm wearing my lucky shirt and i'm not graded in 12 but My favorite part about witchcraft is that you can just ruin every conversation 30 seconds in by bringing up crystals. Uh, that's the best. You think Jesus makes people walk? You got to bring up energies. Set up that fries. I don't know. Fucking. I have said a Wiccan once. Uh, happens. They can be disagreeable. She threatened to put a hex on me, but then like a few weeks later, I was at Thanksgiving, and my Mormon relative offered to pray for me, and I was like, let's make that a hex, please. Um, I don't want anyone floating my name with their creepy American version of Jesus.
are they s- they're gonna come again you know at the end of the day someone comes over and kills people what are your parents most disappointed about you when I told them I was going to San Francisco they were like for work and I was like Oh, it's your smarty pants. All right, who's your favorite mathematician? I'm going to flex on this. Who's your favorite mathematician? Pythagorean. Did you know the guy? You use the adjective form of his name. <laughs> My favorite mathematician is Demoive. Uh, Demoive, he was interesting. Um, he realized in his old age that he was sleeping more and more every day. So he actually came up with an equation where he could predict the day that he was going to sleep for 24 hours, that that will be the day of my death. And he was right. Somebody broke into his apartment when he was sleeping and stabbed him. (laughs) Yeah, I know. He was going to write my recommendation. They raped his daughter, too. It was a whole scene. Um, Hello, this is Anderson Cooper with MSNBC. We're tuning in live for the State of the Union from your president, Alex Jones. Good evening, folks. Thank you for tuning in to my State of the Union address. As you can tell, we have been sweeping out pedophiles left and right that are aggressively taking over our country. They're killing children! They're killing them! They're talking to the devil and they're killing them! We were sending an economic stimulus package to help out many Silicon Valley businesses. We will be repealing all restrictions of aggressive gun laws in this country. You want to take my guns? Hitler took the card just as danger. Technology has ruined, um, I'm going to say, my life. I work in technology, and I'm not happy about it. Uh, People always come up to me with their app ideas. I don't want to make them. Uh, Please stop asking me. It's very, it's never like someone who, like, could know how to start a business. It's just like someone with a Coke problem. They seem to think that those are synonymous. And they're like, fucking. Oftentimes, it's just a coked-out string of buzzwords. It's not an idea. They're like, here's what we're going to do, bro. Here's what we're going to make. I'm from Boston, by the way. Here's what we're going to make. It's going to have VR. It's going to have AI. It's going to have fucking Snapchat integration. Whole thing will run on Bitcoin. You guys can tell which one's triggered known material, can't you? It's not very – it's the illusion of spontaneity is lost on this. I said, do you even know what Bitcoin is? And he said, yeah, it's the future. Uh my favorite pitch, though, you know, a lot of the people, they'll be like, it's always Uber for something. And one of them was Uber for Kappa. I said, what does that even mean? He's like, dude, my car's breaking down. So what we need is Uber for car parts so they can bring that to my side. I don't need no roadside assistance. I, I have mechanics do it. I fix it on the side of the road. They always want to split the profits 50-50, too, and they use this hand gesture. It's actually a legally binding contract in South Boston. Uh, 
You guys should know the regional laws. If you ever visit the city of Boston and someone goes with these, you are signing an NDA, my friend. I tell this guy, I'm like, I don't want to make Uber for car parts. That's dumb. And he's and he really says to me, bro, we'll make it happen. I got friends in the valley. I'm like, you got friends in Silicon Valley? He says, nah, bro, Napa Valley Auto Parts. Uh, my boy is behind the counter. Hypochondriac tries Tinder. I'm a Leo. Swipe left if you're Chinese. All right, take it easy, folks. Kevin Quigley, everyone. Yay, clap it up for yourselves. That was the hell hat. Yay. Uh, coming up at 10 o'clock is the underwear show. I hope you all stick around to see what happens there. And uh, thank you so much for being a part of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2020. We have one more day tomorrow. It starts at 10 in the morning. It goes all the way until 11 o'clock at night. And then it's you done. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us tonight on Hell Hat. And stick around for the 10 o'clock show. Oh, I should also tell everybody there's a late night mic at Ireland's that's going to start around midnight. It's on Geary and 3rd Street if you're interested in some late night open micing stuff. Thanks so much for being here. Good night. Yay.
Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube. We watch the best movies that, uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch What's happening? This is your boy, Rob Edwards. I'm here to tell you about the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's March 1st through the 7th, 2020. The special podcast and comedy shows, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week long. Get your tickets on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comments from all over the U.S. Coming for 66 programs in seven days, all here at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission. Or listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at Mutiny Radio. FM. Join us March 1st through the 7th for these amazing events. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience, like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead pencils? for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counteroffer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counteroffer's menu aims to please you. Counteroffer's has specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counteroffer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. 
Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Ben S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy, the small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutinyradio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my pick... Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutinyradio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> As the world gets wackier and less predictable in every way, it is more important than ever for us to all remember our roots. We wouldn't be here today if our ancestors hadn't had the capacity and the skills to take care of themselves and their communities using the resources in the natural world around them and their own two hands. My name is Wonia Tibo of Buckskin Revolution and Alone Season 6, and I started Buckskin Revolution not just to empower people with a wider range of skills to meet their basic needs, but also to inspire them with a sense of fulfillment and connection that comes with living a little closer to the earth and using our bodies, our minds, and our very DNA for what they evolved to do to help us thrive without the need for modern technology and industry. If that sounds appealing to you, I hope you'll join me for the Fall 2020 Buckskin Revolution Online Skills Gathering, an eight-week learning experience designed to work within any schedule. It involves pre-recorded classes, live interactive sessions, and online community learning support from both myself and your fellow students. The need for these skills has never been more pressing, and Buckskin Revolution is working hard to bring them to you. I hope you can join us. Get connected with yourself and the world around you at buckskinrevolution.com. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience, like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've <laughs> given it a thought or two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even going to be jerks about it. Daryl, 
Are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radio. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radio. Yahoo! <laughs> My name is Jackie Fielder. I'm an indigenous, Latina, and queer educator. I've stood up to fossil fuel companies, Wall Street lobbyists, and racist police unions, and won. Now, I'm running for state senate and standing up to the most real estate-backed politician in California. Changing times call for new leaders with bolder visions of our future. That means real rent and mortgage cancellation, an indigenous wildfire task force, expanded public school funding, a Green New Deal for California, single-payer health care, defunding the police, and reinvesting in communities, saving public transportation, and taxing the wealthy. And you know I can deliver because I am the only candidate to reject both direct contributions and indirect support from real estate interests, charter school advocates, law enforcement unions, rideshare and car companies, billionaires, and fossil fuel interests. 2020 is the year that we take back our district, our state, and our country for working people. Please vote Jackie Fielder for State Senate by November 3rd. I am Italian, and we brought you fascistness with Mussolini, and before that, the Romans. So if you think you live in a fascist country, well, you do. Antitrump.com is the antivirus to the Trump virus. It started in 2016 with two sketches and a dream for a better America. No one thought it would be this bad. He was a 70-year-old yammering nimrod. How bad could it possibly be? We are now in a global pandemic without adequate leadership. Individual politics are not important. We need to rally behind curing the Trump virus. Go to antitrump.com. Hey, you, poetry reader. This is Bjork's sister, Mjork. It's okay. We also have a soul and a weekly poetry reading on Mutiny Radio's AltaCast. Tuned every Wednesday at high noon from Glasgow, Scotland. One of our co-hosts from Choose Poetry, Choose Life, Andy Talbot, has a new poetry chapbook, Old Wounds, New Skin, which is available at analogsubmission.com now. Go buy it and don't let the poets lie to you. Once again, that's Andy Talbot's new poetry chapbook, Old Wounds, New Skin, available at analogsubmission.com. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I 
am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... Uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch Ministry of Lava manages our national lava resources to ensure that we will always have a steady supply of lava to operate the nation's active volcanoes, which in turn power our cities and methamphetamine labs. As a matter of national security, we need to reduce our dependence on foreign lava, which means an expansion of domestic lava drilling. As your chancellor, I will build lava wells all over the country as well as secure access to more lava fields by invading Hawaii. Imagine orange gold spurting out from school playgrounds on the Great Plains and illuminating the Nebraska sky like fireworks on the 4th of July. Magma oozing over the rolling hills of Kentucky. Volcanic ash settling gently over homes in New England like fresh gray snow. If you want global lava markets to continue to be dominated by terriblest regimes like Iceland, Chile, and the Philippines, vote for my opponent, who sits in their back pocket as comfortably as Pahoehoe on the slopes of Kilauea. If you want the United States to stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond, then take a chance on the Chancellor. 